0: Welcome to the Preaching Matters Podcast. My name is Alan Carr and I am your host. Thank you for listening to our episode today. On this podcast, we talk about preaching because we believe preaching matters. And we certainly want our preaching to be better. We want it to glorify God. And we want it to be biblical. And so that's what this podcast is about. We talk about all matters related to preaching because we believe preaching matters. So thank you for tuning in today. We're going to get right into the episode. But before we do, let me ask you to go to your favorite podcast directory and leave us a good review. We would appreciate that. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Now, let's talk about preaching because preaching matters. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Preaching Matters podcast. Now, before I get into this, I want to give a little disclaimer. Episode 29 was published on yesterday, which would have been September the 8th, 2022. And when it was first uploaded, it had the wrong audio file attached to it that has since been fixed. So if you went there yesterday or early this morning, yesterday morning, whatever it was, and you tried to access that file, and you found that it was the same file you heard the week before it was the same topic the subpoints that has now been repaired so go back and listen to it that was mere human error i'm sorry i messed up now today having made that disclaimer i want to talk to you about the matter of context again in the in the sense of reading before and after the periods now here's the problem our bible was not originally written with verse and chapter divisions i hope you know that a lot of folk don't a lot of folk don't understand when they came in but when the early writers received their inspiration from god and they wrote their text there were no chapter divisions nor were there any verse divisions all of that is the invention of man it has been placed where it is and we're kind of stuck with it today even though as i'm going to show you some of those chapter divisions And perhaps verse divisions can end up causing us some, I guess, uh, interpretive problems. A lot of times we miss the context because we stop reading at the end of the chapter or we start reading at the beginning of a chapter. And this comes out in preaching because we miss the context of the passage. So the original writers, when they wrote the word of God, when they wrote it down the first time, they did not use punctuation. There were no spaces between the letters. If they came to the end of a sheet of papyrus and they needed to continue writing a word, they would just take it down to the next line and keep writing. And typically they would write in these large capital letters with no spaces, no punctuation. And even certain names like the name of God would be abbreviated. So instead of writing out, you know, in English, G-O-D, they would write just G-D. They would have the abbreviation for the Greek word theos or whatever, and they would not write out those names in full. Now, the reason they did this is because writing uh, material, ink and paper, was very, very expensive. And so to save money, they would use these things in that way to get all they could on a page. And the readers were familiar with these abbreviations. They were familiar in reading and translating that kind of writing. And so it wasn't a problem for them. Now, you hand us something like that today, and we would be at a loss to know what to do with it. But here's the issue. Now, we're reading through our Bible. And we come to the end of a chapter. Sometimes we stop, but just because we stopped does not mean the Holy spirit stopped. He continues to give insight and truth right into the next chapter. And sometimes those chapters are linked together in such a way that we need the previous chapter to understand the chapter that comes after. And let me just kind of go back and give you some history. If I can, as I said, these uh, verse and chapter divisions were not there in the originals but they came into play down through the years, So let's talk about that. Now, the New Testament chapter divisions were added in the 12th century by the Archbishop of Canterbury. His name was Stephen Langton, and Langton took the New Testament, and he divided those up into chapters. That's in the 12th century. So in the 1100s, he did this. The Wycliffe English Bible of 1382 was the first Bible to be published with New Testament chapter divisions. So even Langton's work, it took 200 years for that to be published. So the Wycliffe Bible was first published with New Testament chapter divisions. The Old Testament chapters were divided into verses in 1448 by a Jewish rabbi named Nathan. That's all we know about him, but he took the Old Testament and he divided it up into chapters. The New Testament chapters were divided into verses in 1555 by a man named Robert Estian. So beginning in the 11th century, all the way through the uh, 16th century, the Bible began to be divided up into chapters and verses. And again, I'm not throwing any shade on the Bible. I believe the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. I've got no problem with that, but I do understand and I hope you understand that the chapter and verse divisions are man-made divisions which were inserted into the text, and that can cause us some problems. Let me give you one or two glaring examples, and I'll leave it to you to find the rest. Now, this particular story I'm going to relate here begins in John chapter 13, verse 31. Jesus, this is a night before he is to die. He has just finished having the last supper with his disciples in the upper room. Judas has left them to go out and betray the Lord, and Jesus tells them that he is going to be glorified. And he says in verse number 33 of John 13, Ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, The new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if ye have love one to another. Then in verse 36, Simon Peter said, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said unto him, Lord, this is verse 37, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And I believe Peter meant that when he said it. But in verse 38, Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you and to thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. That's the end of chapter 13. And typically that's where you and I would stop our reading. However, let's just kind of get the story first before I give you the however. If you think about what's happening here, they must have been devastated, right? Jesus has told them he's going away. He tells them they cannot follow. He says you can't do it. But Peter says, why can't I follow you? He said, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And then Jesus says to him, in this question, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? He said, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So here's what he's saying. I'm going away. You men can't go with me. Peter says, I will. I'll go with you. I'll even die for you. Jesus says, oh, no, you won't. He said, before the sun comes up the morning, you, in the morning, you have denied me three times. That must have devastated the disciples. That must have left them questioning everything about themselves and about their even their relationship with Christ. They're going to be left behind, and they can't go with him, and they're even going to deny him. Certainly, that would have been a devastating thing for Jesus to say. But that ends chapter 13 but that should not end our reading because the very first verse of chapter 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. You get the connection there? Jesus said, I'm going away. You can't go. You're going to deny me, but let not your heart be troubled. We come to John 14 and oftentimes we use this in funerals. We use this when talking about heaven or the second coming of the Lord and all kind of things we get out of it. But if you look at the context, it is directly connected to what Jesus told the disciples was about to happen. They're upset. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, you, he uses the word ye, which means all of you believe in God. And he says, believe also in me. Guys, trust me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And this is talking to the individual. Now he switches from ye to you. This is the singular, a singular pronoun. I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there, ye, all of you may be also. So Jesus is saying this, some of you are going to walk away from me tonight. Some of you are going to deny me tonight, but don't let this derail you. Don't let this, cause you to be blown off the road. Just keep going. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, we're all going to be together. Jesus said you can't come now, but you can come later. So here's the point. Even though you may fail him, and even though you may uh, deny him like Peter did, he still wants you, and he still got a plan for you. And that is the connection of John 14, 1 through 3, back to John chapter 13, 31 through 38. You cannot understand one without the other. So John 14, 1 through 3 is not really about heaven. It's about the Lord's desire to encourage his men who are so profoundly upset at this moment in time. Jesus said, I care about you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. By the way, the word place there, you ought to study that word. In the Greek, it's the word topos, and it refers to a standing ground or a place to stand, and Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you to stand. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and what he's saying is there it's kind of like an invasion. Think about the Allied forces landing on June the 6th, 1944 at Normandy. What did they do? They knocked down the front door, and they prepared a place for other soldiers to stand. So that when other soldiers came in behind them, they were able to get on the beaches, able to move inland, and start pushing Nazi Germany back to their own borders and eventually to defeat. But that's what the Allied soldiers did on D-Day, is they made a place for the others to stand. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Now, when he goes to heaven, he's not up there building heaven. Oh, no. Jesus went and kicked the gates open. And he says, because I'm here, because I have died, because I have resurrected, I am here as your intercessor. I am the last Adam. I am the representative of all those who believe in me. And because I'm here, you have a right to be here too. When you get there, my friend, the welcome carpet will be out. You're not going to have to go to Simon Peter and give him a reason why you should be let in. Because if you are in Jesus, the door is open and they are expecting you there. That's the message Jesus gave his disciples. That is the encouragement he left them. That is the hope and the help he placed in their hearts on that dark night for them. Jesus said, I'm here for you, and I'm going to open the door for you. I'm going to create a place for you to stand up there in heaven so that when you come, you can be received unto me, and you can be where I am. You have every right to be there. Now, that's what he's talking about in John chapter 14. So if you stop reading, if you stop reading at John 13, 38, you have missed something that's very, very important. Let me just give you another one right quick. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, the very first phrase of chapter 7 is having, therefore, these promises. When you see the word therefore, what should you do? Well, as one fellow said, you should find out what it's there for. It always points us back. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Then he says in verse 2, total change of direction here, receive us. We have wronged no man, we have corrupted no man, we have defrauded no man. So there seems to be a break between uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 1 and 2 Corinthians 7, 2. And the reason is, is, and it's my contention, don't fall out with me, but I believe the verse division, or the chapter division rather, is in the wrong place. So he tells us back in Second Corinthians chapter six, he says, in verse 17, "Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty." That's verse 18, that ends chapter six. But if you read the first verse in seven, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting wholeness in the fear of God. And there is an example where a verse is in one chapter when it actually connects with the verses that are in a previous chapter. So while I'm thankful for what Stephen Langton did for us in the 12th century, I do feel like he missed it at this point. He would have been better off to put the chapter division after verse number one. And what I'm saying today is not heresy. It's not attacking the Bible. It's just saying that the chapter and verse divisions are man-made. And when we read them, we ought to read them in such a way that they disappear in our thinking so that we can read the scripture in continuity. Now, am I thankful for them? Yes, I am. Could you imagine getting up on Sunday morning, having a desire to maybe preach from Psalm 75, which is right in the middle of the Psalter, and you get up there and you say, okay, folks, open your scrolls, and let's, we're going to find Psalm 75, and what a mess that would be. But isn't it a blessing? You can say, all right, I want to read to you from John chapter 3, verse number 16, or I want to read from Psalm 23, 1, and you can find it, people can find it, we can commit these verses to memory, And the chapter and verse divisions in our Bible are a great gift from God to the church. My only point is sometimes the people who put them in didn't get them in the right places. Sometimes verses are broken up that do not need to be broken up. And if we're not careful, we can pull out a verse and rip it out of its natural context because we haven't read before and after it. We can look at a verse and say, why in the world does it say that here? It doesn't seem to have any connection to anything. But if you go back and read what's said before it or perhaps what's after it, it will all become clear. So don't stop at the period. Don't stop at the end. Keep rolling and keep looking and see if there is a connection between these chapters and verses where they are divided to make sure that you get what God is saying to you in the text. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about, and that's really all I've got. So, hey, make contact with me. Uh, A guy helped me out just yesterday, a man in Mississippi, Brother Rob Chittum. He he sent me a message telling me that I had uploaded the same file as last week, and I'm glad he did. I was able to go in and fix that and get back on track, and I really appreciate his attentiveness, and I'm thankful that he pointed that out so that I could get the right episode up for you. Now, this bonus episode, I hope it helped you. I hope it'll make you think about how you read your Bible. hope it'll cause you to slow down and pay attention. I'll put all these dates I gave you in the show notes for this little bonus episode, and I hope this was a help to you. So I guess my whole idea today is to get you to focus on reading carefully, to get you to focus on paying attention to what is around the verses you're reading so that you can look at them and so that you can find what you need and to better help you understand the word of God. So don't stop at the period. I think that's what I'll call this little bonus episode, and I appreciate you listening to it. So make contact with me, alancar at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you let me know what you think about the podcast or if you have any ideas for future episodes, so that's Carr at gmail.com. Hit me up, and I'll I'll get back with you, Okay. Also, be sure to go to your favorite podcast repository, wherever you get your ear candy and leave us a positive review and subscribe so that you can be notified of the next episodes. And at the bottom of the show notes, there is a Patreon link. If you'd like to be a patron and help us out with the expense of the podcast, we would certainly appreciate it. And if you don't want to, that's fine too. They'll still be free, always be free, but it would be a blessing to have some help with the cost. So thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate you so much. And you pray for me. This is still new territory for me. And I'm just trying to share my heart as I come before the microphone each week. And I hope it's a help to you. If it is, let me know. Even podcasters need a hug every now and then. So God bless you. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you once again for joining us today on the preaching matters podcast try to have a new episode out next week so I encourage you, if you enjoyed the episode or you think someone else would enjoy it, first I want you to subscribe and I'd like for you to leave a positive review on the platform of your choice or on several if you choose and I'd like for you to tell somebody else about it this is a podcast for preachers if you are a preacher or know some preacher who might benefit, share the news God bless you, thanks for being here, I pray that preaching goes well for you, God blesses you in your work for his glory Pray for us and Lord willing, we'll see you next week.